a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad that you've joined me on the program today. Stephen Gutowski of the Washington Free Beacon going to join us here in just a moment or two. Talking about the latest with the big tech crackdown on the First Amendment rights of Second Amendment activists. Uh, We saw the deplatforming, at least on Facebook, of the Virginia Citizens Defense League uh, earlier this week. This comes as Keybase, which is a uh, encrypted chat and file sharing platform owned by the video conferencing company Zoom, uh, has quietly changed their terms of service to prevent or prohibit the uh, transferring of files dealing with 3D printed firearms. And then, of course, you know, you can go back a couple of weeks ago. We talked with Pete Brownell, who's the owner of AR15.com, about uh, GoDaddy's decision to abruptly uh, quit serving as uh, ARF.com's uh, registrar. Uh, again, we have seen these uh, efforts on the part of big tech companies to. Uh, silence the voices of segment advocates, or at least to push those voices out of the public square and into the sort of back alleys of the internet, uh, where not many people can hear what those folks have to say. So we sat down and uh, spoke with Stephen Gatasky of the Washington Free Beacon about this problem uh, and how the Second Amendment community might respond. Take a look and a listen. Mr. Gatasky, thank you, sir, for coming on the program. It's good talking with you today. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So we are uh, seeing big tech crackdowns all over the place when it comes to the uh, Second Amendment. Let's start with the Virginia Citizens Defense League. Uh, Facebook's been flirting with removing the organization, uh, I guess, uh, from the platform over the past couple of weeks. And uh, now it's official. You've confirmed with Facebook a permanent ban for the VCDL. Yes, that's right. Although, um, of course, they said that uh, President Philip Van Cleve's uh, ban was permanent back a week ago and then reinstated him and then banned him again. So they're kind of all over the place. But yeah, they, they said that the decision to remove VCDL's uh, Facebook page was um, correctly decided and that they won't be republishing. And, and that's all that they said, right? I mean, uh, you talked with Philip Van Cleve. It sounds like Facebook didn't even tell Van Cleve what specific post violated Facebook's supposed policies. Uh, not, not from the, not for the page. No. And Facebook wouldn't tell me either. Um, they, they told me that Van Cleve initially, um, a couple of weeks ago had violated their, um, you know, uh, policy on, um, advocating harm. Uh, but they wouldn't say how he, he did that. In fact, they specifically told me that they can't explain how or offer any evidence because if they did that, it would, uh, there's a risk that uh, bad actors could um, manipulate the system if they understood it, basically. I I have to say, I, I find that to be somewhat of an ex- absurd explanation here. We can't tell you what the rules are because then people might figure out how to go around the rules. So it's better that nobody knows what the rules are and nobody can uh, be uh, assured that they're actually you know, coloring inside the lines. I, I don't I, I mean, again, Facebook is a private company. Uh, and they are free to make these decisions, but how on earth can anybody uh, operate on that platform in good faith when they don't know what is allowed and what is not allowed? 
Yeah, I think that's the key issue here, right? Is that the moderation policies at, at Facebook are so opaque and oftentimes contradictory. I mean, this going back and forth here with, with BCDL, I mean, initially they took down their the Facebook page for the group, uh, but then said that that was an error. They told me that, that was an error and that they apologized. Uh, and then a week later, now they've taken them down again without explanation as to what they did wrong. Like, it'd be one thing if Facebook would offer some sort of, uh, you know, explanation for what they're doing, you know. Uh, I, you know, I think most people understand that Facebook doesn't want, you know, violence, threats on its platform or people to organize, you know, something like the Capitol riot on its platform. You can understand why they wouldn't want that. But the problem is there's no evidence that BCDL was doing anything like that. And they deny that they're doing anything remotely like that. And you Mm -hmm. and I have followed them for years. They're a mainstream organization, uh, one of the major players in Virginia politics and have been for for decades. Uh, They're not some sort of fringe militia group at all. And <clears throat> as far as I'm aware, they, they've never posted any sort of threats or tried to organize any sort of violence whatsoever. And in fact, they just had their lobby day, uh, which a lot of people wanted them to cancel over, you know, the concerns surrounding the Capitol riots. But, you know, they they decided to go forward because they don't feel, uh, you know, Van Cleef told me they, 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 they don't feel like they should cancel their event every time there's some outsider could potentially cause problems or else they'd have to cancel all their events. That's that's his, his point of view on it. And to his credit, uh, it went off without a hitch. There was no issues um, with their lobby day. A very similar thing happened last year with their lobby day where they had, uh, you know, the massive uh, protests uh, where there were a lot of warnings of potential violence from outsiders. And then it didn't manifest and everything was peaceful and, and frankly, successful. They're a very influential group. They are probably the main reason why the assault weapons ban didn't pass in Virginia. So this isn't some fringe group that's out there speaking, you know, in extremist language or organizing violence. It's just no, it's 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 not. I mean, and you know, so I was one of the the lobby day speakers this year. We we streamed our, our speeches uh, rather than uh, doing them in person, but. You know, I haven't uh, look, I haven't kept track of every post from the VCDL or Philip Van Cleve's a personal Facebook page. But I can say that the communications that I saw from the VCDL, both to its members and and then to the general public, were not extolling violence. They were not advocating violence. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite. Uh, you know, the VCDL was explaining to members, look, this is. This, this is what the laws are right now in, in Richmond, Virginia. And so here are the things that you can legally do. Here's what this uh, a lobby day uh, rally and mobile rally is all about. Uh, and there was no call to violence. There was no um, acceptance of violence that, that I saw. As you say, you know, again, we don't know what Facebook uh, apparently saw that uh, that bothered them so much. But Again, with the, uh, the 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 lack of information, the lack of transparency uh, on the part of Facebook, I, I guess we'll we'll never know. But this is not happening in a vacuum, Stephen. You know, I, I reported last night uh, Keybase, which is owned by Zoom, uh, very quietly changed their terms of services. They're they're not allowing uh, 3D firearm files to be distributed uh, among their members anymore. Uh, AR15.com uh, had their DNS registry yanked by GoDaddy a few weeks ago. How concerned are you that we are seeing 
And then this isn't just happening within the world of the Second Amendment. But we, how concerned are you that we are seeing a crackdown on disfavored speech uh, from a lot of these tech giants and the Second Amendment community is caught up in that crackdown? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think everyone has has reason to be concerned uh, about how far these policies go and what the limiting principle is, um, and the, the especially the transparency in these actions. Um, you know, if you can just be banned for no reason with no explanation or any opportunity to, you know, correct a mistake or, or whatever it may be, um, that's a problem. Um, and it does seem certainly that uh, gun enthusiasts are being targeted and gun rights activists are being targeted um, around around these suspensions. Like, it's not new, right? I mean, we've, we've seen Facebook and, and Amazon um, went after uh, the Firearms Policy Coalition for their uh, repository of 3D gun files, um, which they, they did as a you know, put up as a explicitly political um, um, protest and Facebook banned the sharing of the link uh, on their website. The Amazon banned, you know, hosting of their, of this website from their servers. Um, you know, so it, and that happened several years ago. It, it's not, it's not a new thing, but it's, it continues to be concerning and it continues to, it seems, um, spread further beyond these, um, you know, gray areas or whatever, you know, more controversial areas like 3D printed guns. It's spreading now to just having a, uh, a gun rights group, I guess, in the case of VCDL. Like I, they don't, Facebook is not forthcoming at all on what it is that, that the group did wrong. Yeah. And so it's hard to know. Like, what, is it just, are they just going to do this with every gun rights group now? Or are they all at risk of being kicked off of Facebook? Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think you have to assume that that's the case, that they're at least at risk of, of being kicked off of Facebook at this point. And, you know, look, I mean, uh, I know that VCDL has uh, migrated over to, I believe, MeWe, right, uh, is the, yeah. uh, the the platform that they're now uh, primarily using. Uh, ARF.com, you know, they, they used a uh, independent uh, DNS registrar to, uh, to, to fix their problem. Uh, the folks from uh, Keybase have migrated in many cases to their own privately run servers. This doesn't stop this speech, but what it does do is it limits the ability for these groups to get their message out because, you know, look, I mean, the, the number of users on MeWe is a tiny fraction uh, mm -hmm. of the number of users on Facebook. So folks who are scrolling through Facebook, they're still going to get commentary and posts from Moms Demand Action, from Everytown for Gun Safety. Um, but they're, you know, I worry that they're not going to get the other side. That, you know, VCDL is banned. Maybe they'll go after uh, FPC. Maybe they'll go after GOA or NRA. Uh, but eventually narrowing the the content uh, on the platform so that pro-Second Amendment points of view simply aren't seen and they're simply not heard. Uh, whether or not there's a formal rule that allows those organizations to simply exist on the platform. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest problem here is I just a total lack of transparency as to what it is that VCDL is supposed to have done wrong. Um, you know, it'd be one thing if they had 
some example of, of, you know, maybe there's comments left by people that didn't, Facebook didn't like. We, we don't know because they won't tell us. Um, and how is anyone supposed to operate uh, a Facebook page, which again, yeah, I mean, Facebook's the largest social media company in the world. And, um, you know, they can do what they like with their platform, but they ought to be open and transparent about it. If they don't want gun groups on there, they should say that and let people know that it's, they're not welcome anymore. This, this, uh, this issue of, of having moderation policies and then being completely opaque about how they work is just so much worse than if they simply said, we don't believe in, um, that gun rights you know, organizations should be able to have a, a platform on our service. You know, that's that they're welcome to do that if that's what they want to do. But uh, or even, you know, go broader if they want. If they don't want conservatives to be there, <clears throat> they should say that if they're trying to say that they're sticking to policies about promoting violence or harm like that, that's not allowed. Uh, I think most people would agree with that. But if you're until you get to the point where you're using it in a way that's completely, you know, beyond transparency, and they can they just make accusations and never follow them up with any sort of evidence whatsoever because this this fear of uh, people gaming the system. I mean, yeah, maybe people could game the system if they understood it, I guess. But if people don't understand how the system works, then you know how can they abide by it too? Like it does, just doesn't make any sense. Well, exactly. I mean, and that's that's why ultimately I just I I, I don't buy uh, Facebook's excuse because we already know that that people are trying to game the system on Facebook. They're trying to do everything from uh, enable child trafficking to drug sales to you know illegal sales of firearms. We know that that's taking place. Um, with, with, you know, with the opaque rules uh, in place, um, it seems to me that if you know, the bad actors are not being stopped, but the good actors uh, are being stopped, that, that there's a problem here that needs to be resolved. Unfortunately, again, you know, we get into the debate over uh, the power of big tech and the footprint of big tech. And do we need the, to use the power of big government uh, to curtail the power of big tech? And, you know, there are folks who say, well, uh, you know, if you remove Section 230 protections, that things like this would actually become more commonplace. I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't I, I suspect there is no easy answer here. Um, I, I, I suspect that what's really going on is a a, a fundamental shift in the attitudes uh, among those in Silicon Valley, where a decade ago, uh, Google said, you know, don't be evil. Uh, and the the ethos of the tech industry was one of freedom, uh, was a, sort of a libertarian ethos, right? Where, you know, we'll, we'll make our own rules, but, uh, but this is a, the internet should be a free speech zone. Um, I think that mindset is very different today. And I think that these organizations and platforms have become so big uh, that that now uh, the ethos is much more about uh, collecting the data from the users, monetizing that data uh, than it is ensuring that users can speak their mind, even if it makes folks uncomfortable, even if what they have to say uh, is um, uh, upsetting to some folks. Sure. I mean, you know, from for me, I think that. Uh even if you don't believe that, um, you know, you think 
reforming Section 230 is is not a good idea for a number of reasons, including the one you just mentioned. Even in that situation, even if you think Facebook should be able to do what it wants with its platform, I think that there's um, perfectly legitimate criticism to be had of how they're they're enforcing their own rules, right? Like it's not helpful to anyone for them to be so completely um, disingenuous about what's going on um, and and just stonewall anyone who is trying to figure out what, why something happened, especially um, when it's a significant thing, you know, this VCDL, um, yeah, it's, they're not the NRA, they're not, you know, a national group, but they are a very prominent and influential group in Virginia politics. And Facebook removing them from their platform has real world comp, uh, consequences that are going to be significant um, in how they can, you know, influence uh, their the elected officials here in the state. I mean, that's mainly what they use their Facebook for to, to organize their membership, to send, you know, email campaigns supporting or opposing different gun bills in the legislature, to set up events like Lobby Day. You know, there's there's reasons um, why it, it's it's it matters beyond just. Uh, Facebook policy, you know, th- these have real world consequences mm-hmm. and, you know, perhaps people are not entitled to, um, you know, Facebook services or Amazon services or, or, you know, zoom services or, or whatever, but, um, you can't ignore completely what the consequences of, of removing people are. And you, it's fair to question whether or not the process that's used to remove them is is reasonable or not, uh, um, and is something that uh, you know maybe people start to leave the platform over um, at the very least, um, you know, and and figuring out answers to you know how the social media um, s- sphere is regulated. Um, you know, that, that's perhaps a very controversial and, and there's a lot of, uh, of different points of view on it, but I think everyone can agree that, uh, it's a problem is if major companies like this are with the kind of influence that they have are being unfair or unclear in how they're even handling their own internal policies. Absolutely. So last question, how do you think the, the Second Amendment community will respond? Um, uh, you know, obviously with VCDL, they, they've moved to another platform. Is, is that what do you think we're going to see that, uh, you know, big tech playing whack-a-mole with these uh, Second Amendment organizations? Facebook bans them. They pop up on MeWe. Maybe MeWe changes its terms of services and they've got to go to Telegraph or, or, or somewhere else. I mean, how, how do we continue to continue to get our message out? How do groups like VCDL continue to get their message out to members uh, if, you know, these big tech companies don't want us to be talking or at least they don't want us to be heard? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really hard question, right? I mean, I think you want to um, try and uh, first uh, make the these companies understand that there's a significant difference between a group like VCDL and, you know, a fringe militia group or something like that, or, or a group that's, in, uh, you know, um, 
actually advocating violence. violence. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, there's a major difference between this group and some of the other groups that have seen, you know, mass deplatform, uh, you know, deplatforming. You know, their BCL is not, uh, you know, a conspiracy group. They're not a, a group that advocates violence. They're, they are a mainstream organization, um, I think by any measure in Virginia politics. And it, it's, it's important, I think, for these tech companies to understand that um, <clears throat> and for them to realize that they're increasingly alienating, you know, more and more mainstream um, uh, Americans uh, with with these sorts of, of moves. And as far as combating them, I mean, it is, you know, to be totally honest, it's very difficult, right? Because while, you know... The uh, principle is that these are private companies which have, um, you know, the ability to regulate their own platforms and who who gets to use their services. They're extremely large at the same time, and they do really limit how much reach you can have if you're not on those platforms. And maybe if you're advocating for violence or organizing, you know, insurrections, uh, you shouldn't be on there. But um, I would hope that the number of people that the, these companies deem as unworthy of their services, they should try and keep that as small as possible. I mean, it's in their business interest, but I think it's also in the interest of the the country to keep that group as small as as possible. You know, to a re, you know to reasonable extents here. You know, it, it's just not something that you want the you know tens of millions of people banned from these platforms. I mean, certainly another platform could pop up and, um, you know, but you see the issues that causes with something like parlor where, you know, right. first of all, you get a lot of, a lot of these alternate platforms have all, all of the rejects from the other platforms and they don't create the greatest of communities um, to go over to. So they're not super appealing to people who aren't just already banned from other platforms. And then, they can often have issues of, of oversight of themselves where they just don't do much of any moderation and that causes all kinds of other problems. And so it, it's hard to launch a new major social media platform. It's not impossible. It happens right uh, continually. TikTok didn't exist a couple of years ago and now it's massive, you know, so I, hopefully maybe that natural process of capitalism will, will produce the, a better alternative to Facebook in the near future. Maybe the MeWe is going to be one of the answers that, you know, VCDL is, is, is picking as their new uh, home, but it's not easy. It's certainly not, there's not a simple and easy answer. It's not as easy as just saying, go create your own. There's a lot of other questions that come up that I think need to be, need to be dealt with. Absolutely. Stephen Gataski with the Washington Free Beacon. Always good talking with you, sir. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. My thanks to Stephen for joining us on the program. And, you know, again, this is a problem that is bigger than just the Second Amendment community. Uh, I think this comes when uh, problems like this pop up, when all of a sudden a, a, a dominant strain of thought is, look, half the country is the enemy. Half the country uh, is not just deplorable or disagreeable, but half of the country are the enemy and have to be treated and dealt with in such a fashion. I think that is what we're seeing right now. Uh, on the part of these big tech companies, aided and egged on uh, by these voices on the left who want to try to treat anybody who didn't vote for Joe Biden uh, as if they are a domestic terrorist. Uh, I, I believe 
that that mindset will pass at some point. Uh, but while you're in this witch hunt, uh, and again, go back 100 years, we saw this with the Red Scare uh, during the Woodrow Wilson administration, um, saw this during McCarthyism uh, in the 1950s when uh, Joe McCarthy took what was a real issue, the uh, communist infiltration of the federal government, uh, and uh, instead started talking about how you know General George Marshall was uh, part of the commie plot. Um, those types of things do die down. They are not a permanent feature of American society. Uh, but while we are living in that moment, uh, the threats to our civil liberties, the threats to our freedom of speech, our, the threat to the right to dissent, which I believe is one of the most fundamental freedoms that, that we as human beings possess, along with our ability to defend and protect ourselves, the right to dissent and to disagree is one of the most fundamental rights that we possess. And I just see big tech trying to enforce a narrower and narrower and narrower conformity of thought and opinion that can be shared. And if you color outside of those lines, even if you don't know that you're coloring outside of those lines, that's when you get the axe. All right, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report as well. We'll start there with a case out of Muncie, Indiana. Take a look at this headline. Man already facing 22 charges held on meth and gun counts. Yeah. How about that? The uh, Muncie Star Press says 31-year-old Dustin Brock Smith arrested on Saturday when the Muncie police were sent to uh, the former Hilltop Motel after dispatchers received a report about a man with a gun there. A woman told officers that Smith had come to her RV that was parked on the property and pointed, quote, the biggest gun I ever seen at her face, accusing her of, quote, stealing his dope. Yeah, woman had a police scanner. When officers, uh, when Smith heard that officers were on their way, he and a female companion fled. Uh, they were pulled over a short time later. Police canine indicated that there were controlled substances in the SUV. Officers reported finding meth and plastic bags in the vehicle, along with, quote, a large amount of money. Uh, they believe that Smith at the time was, quote, under the influence of an unknown substance, perhaps even meth, uh, then taken to a local hospital uh, for a blood draw, taken then to the Delaware County Jail in Indiana, where uh, at last report he is held on $17,500 bond. So in addition to dealing with methamphetamine, Smith is charged with pointing a fire, possession of meth, possession of paraphernalia. Uh, he already is, as I mentioned, facing 22 charges in eight different cases in Indiana, uh, causing serious bodily injury while driving while intoxicated, criminal recklessness, driving while intoxicated, possession of marijuana, possession of a narcotic drug, possession of paraphernalia, two counts of driving without ever receiving a license, possession of meth, resisting law enforcement, three counts of unlawful possession of a syringe, five counts of driving while suspended. He's also apparently been convicted in the past of three counts of check fraud, conversion, driving while under a suspended license, four different occasions for that, possession of marijuana, receiving stolen property, reckless driving, resisting law enforcement twice, robbery, and theft. So, Given the lengthy criminal history of this uh, 31-year-old, I'm kind of surprised that I don't see a charge of felon in possession for uh, Dustin Smith. Uh, instead, just pointing a firearm. That seems to be the one gun-related charge. Uh, so maybe this was a misdemeanor robbery charge, but you would think uh, with the uh, lengthy criminal history and the uh, current charges that he's facing, Mr. Smith might be facing more serious uh, criminal charges in this most recent incident, but that does not appear to be the case, and I'm guessing that uh, Justin Smith probably going to be out back on the streets before long. Our Armed Citizen Story of the Day from the Pacific Northwest, rather generic headline here from uh, KXL uh, in uh, the Pacific Northwest, Bellingham, Washington, a sporting goods employee 
who was uh, in fear of his life, shot a robbery suspect in the chest. After that suspect tried to use a hammer to smash glass and steal firearms. Officer said the uh, suspect was warned several times to stop when an employee pulled out his legally concealed firearm, shot the suspect once. Uh, when police arrived, they found the suspect lying on the floor of that sporting goods store in Bellingham, Washington, with a gunshot wound to the chest. He was uh, taken to Harborview Medical Center uh, in Seattle for treatment. The employee not injured during the robbery. No report of the current condition of the uh, suspect, but uh, if he does survive his injuries, he will obviously be facing robbery charges uh, once he is released from the hospital. And finally today, our good deed of the day, also from Washington State, Olympia, Washington, where a uh, Department of Natural Resources police officer helped to save a hypothermic man lost in the snow in Olympic National Forest over the weekend. The uh, 54-year-old man driving in deep snow on a road that's shared by the DNR and the Forest Service when his vehicle became stuck. So at some point, he decided, well, crap, I'm not getting out of here in my car, so I might as well try to get out of here on foot. Um, nobody was able to contact him. He started walking. Mason County first responders reached out to DNR officer Neil Schuster for assistance in their search and rescue operation around noon on Saturday. So this is the day after this guy had disappeared. Schuster got his ATV, uh, and then uh, met sheriff's deputies and firefighters along the uh, forest service road. Uh, local first responders were unable to reach the man. The road was impassable, even with four wheel drive SUVs with tire chains on. Uh, so Schuster unloaded his SUV or excuse me, unloaded his ATV, uh, took a firefighter as his passenger to where they believed the guy was located. Uh, after traveling through about three miles of deep snow, Schuster and the firefighter found the man along the edge of the road, soaking wet, wearing only a sweatshirt, sweatpants, and a single shoe. Suffering from frostbite, severe hypothermia, he was disoriented, he was unable to communicate. According to the officers, he had a blank stare. He was so weak that Schuster and the firefighter actually had to load him onto the ATV before they transported him to medics below. Uh, they were able to take him to a local hospital, um, and at last report, it looks like this man uh, is actually going to recover. So uh, an unbelievable job by uh, Neil Schuster, DNR officer in Washington State, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing uh, to save that man's life. We thank you, sir, for your very, very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. At least until we get deplatformed ourselves, I suppose. Uh, until that point comes, though, don't forget, you can uh, find us, Town Hall Media, on YouTube. You can also find us on Rumble. I don't think we're going anywhere on Rumble. Uh, just look for Buried Arms, Cam and Company. Uh, if you like the podcast version, you can still find us, for now anyway, on Amazon Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. And thank you again for all of your support. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information. Until then, be well, be safe. And be free.